Welcome to the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. No label centrists planning a third party run for 2024. That was the headline from the New York Times. The intrigue part, that's me. Others are furious. Jonathan Weissman wrote this. It was in the Saturday print edition of the Times. The bipartisan political group No Labels is stepping up a well-funded effort to field a unity ticket for the 2024 presidential race, prompting fierce resistance from even some of its closest allies who fear handing the White House back to Donald J. Trump. I talked about this recently, you'll recall, with former Senator Joe Lieberman. Uh, representing No Labels. Today, Ryan Clancy, who is the chief strategist for the group, is joining me. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Let's talk first about what exactly the movement consists of. What are you doing now vis-a-vis 2024? Well, Michael, you've followed us for a long time, and you know for the better part of a decade, we've really focused on Congress. But we started planning for the potential of a independent unity ticket in 24 over a year ago. And the big step towards that is we've been working to get uh, on the ballot in states across the country. So we've already gathered over uh, 600,000 signatures, and we've got a plan to be on the ballot in all 50 states and D.C. by next year. Can you tell us how many you're on as of today? So we're four as of today. Uh, It'll be 20 uh, by the end of the year uh, or more. And, you know, our whole schedule is dictated by the state's states themselves. So any state where we're uh, unable to start this early, we're active. What has been the reaction of those states from reading the Times and some of the other coverage? I I gather that you're getting a workout from some secretaries of state or their office. It seems like hurdles are being put in the road of no labels. Maybe I'm wrong, but you'll tell me. No, you're right. I mean, look, the reaction on the ground has been amazing. So with our signature gathering team, we've been, they said they've been doing this for 30 years. This is one of the easiest signatures that um, they've gotten. People have a hunger for this. Now, you're right. The local party establishments are trying to throw sand in the gears and um, trying to make our life more difficult. But we're very confident we'll overcome that and, and get on the ballot. Ryan, this is an expensive proposition. The Times says uh, at about $70 million has been raised so far. What are you at liberty to discuss or disclose? That's that's the target. And we're we're getting close. We're over two thirds of the way there. So we're going to have the resources we need to to get on the ballot. So what then? Okay, let's let's assume you meet your objectives and that you're at 20 states by the end of the year, making your way toward getting on all 50. What is then going to unfold? I know there's a an event scheduled in Dallas next April. What will play out? So one of two things will happen. If It's a year from now, and the public is where it is today, which is two-thirds of the public doesn't want to rematch in 2020. You know this. It's been reported everywhere. Um, But if a year from now, the public is really unhappy with the two major party nominees, and we think there's a path for an independent unity ticket to get an outright victory in the Electoral College, then we will nominate a ticket. If we don't see that open, we will not nominate one. So we have no interest in fueling some sort of spoiler or vanity candidate. This is well, that's why we call this an insurance project. We, we may not nominate a ticket, and if we so do, it'll only be because the ticket can win. So it sounds like it's a two-step process. You're going to look at data and determine where is the public mindset, and then secondly, the old adage: you can't beat somebody with nobody. You're going to have to assess the landscape and see, well, who's on the bench and ready to take a shot. 
Yeah, that's right. But, Michael, you know, the, the, the public, as usual, is what gets lost in this, is, you know, for, for all these, um, some of the folks who, who take issue with what we're doing, nobody else in our political system seems to have a response to the fact that no one wants what the two major parties are selling. They, they don't want this election we're almost certainly going to have. And what we hope is, even if we don't nominate a ticket, maybe if our presence, encourages one or both parties to either nominate leaders or release platforms that speak to what we call this vast and ignored common sense majority, then there'll be no opening for a no labels ticket and we won't nominate one. Ryan, have you further defined internally what it means if the public is unhappy a year from now? Like, do you know what the poll question is? Do you know which polls you'll look to? I mean, what exactly? Flesh that out if you can. So you can't, obviously, we all know polling isn't perfect, especially when you're doing it this far out. But I'll I'll give you an example of the kind of thing we're looking at. In December, we did a poll of over 26,000 registered voters, and we asked them, If you were faced in 24 with a choice between former President Trump, President Biden, and a moderate independent ticket, would you be open to voting for that moderate independent ticket? 59% said they'd be open to it. Now, somebody saying they're open to voting for a ticket, of course, doesn't mean they will. But remember, in a three-person race, you only need 35, 36% of the vote in a given state to win the whole state and get all the electoral votes that come with it. So, you don't need that whole open to universe of 59% to vote for a ticket like this in the end if 37%, 36% of them in the end vote for a ticket like that, it can win. Well, unless there's significant change in the field of candidates, I believe the first prong of your test is going to be met. So what then happens with step two? So we'll make a determination very likely between Super Tuesday which is uh, early March 2024, when you typically do know who the major party nominees will be, uh, and our convention in Dallas in April. That's where we'll make kind of the no-go-go decision. And look, even though today the public does not like the idea of a Trump-Biden rematch, it's possible a year from now the country could be in a different place. They could feel better about President Biden, maybe they could feel better about the future of the country or the state of the economy. And if we look at our polling and that gap is shrinking, we're we're not going to nominate a ticket. We're very mindful of the challenges that independent tickets have faced in the past. But we we do think if there's ever been a moment where a, a ticket like this could get traction, it's right now. But is there going to be some democratic process within no labels, a vote taken, and if so, by or among whom that decides whether to pull the trigger, so to speak? There is. We're we're developing the process for that now. It'll likely be a a process involving no labels members, um, potentially deputizing like a, a nominating committee to go identify candidates and vet candidates. And then at the end, if that nominating committee chooses a ticket, it would be ratified at the um, convention that we'll have in Dallas in uh, April 2024, which will look and feel very much like uh, one of the major party conventions. I mean, there'll be a couple thousand people there. Are sore loser laws an impediment? It occurs to me that if someone is going to run under the no labels banner, then they probably 
could not have been an R or a D at the time of the primary in their own state. I hope I'm explaining this well. Do you follow me? I do. Um, and you're right. So, what, Michael, obviously what you're referring to is there's some states that if you run in uh, a party primary uh, in, in a given state, you can't then come back and run as an independent. So uh, basically the way to think about it is it's, it's theoretically possible somebody could run in a party primary and drop out really early and still be eligible for an in, to get on an independent ticket. But the further they go along, the more likely it is they couldn't because they'd be disqualified in too many states. You know that there's a lot of criticism. There's a lot of concern being expressed about what No Labels is doing. Some of it has come from the uh, Third Way group. They say, first of all, this is serious. What you're doing is serious. You've got money. You've got personnel. You're working on ballot access. You've got plans. You're doing a lot of recruiting. And then in the memo that I'm reading from that I know you've seen, it says the No Labels third party bid cannot win. First of all, voters don't really back third parties. Secondly, the polling is always a mirage. Third, there's a, an, a, an illusion relative to a plurality of Americans identifying as, as independents. Uh, they also say your map is a fantasy. Talk to me now about the practicality of what you're advancing. So a couple of things. First of all, we released something just to the extent there's any confusion about this. We released a statement from our national co-chairs, the headline of which was Donald Trump should never again be president of the United States. So we don't place any equivalency between him, President Biden. And so let's get that out of the, out of the way. We, we have no interest and will not do anything we think would fuel his return to the White House. But we take a lot of issue with, with that memo you, you referenced because it's a lot of historical cherry picking. So, for example, when, when you look at candidates who've run historically independent recently, Jill Stein, Ralph Nader, th- those were protest candidacies. And nobody who ever voted for those candidates thought they were voting for a president. They, they knew that was a protest vote. We will never nominate a ticket that's like that. But the other thing we don't understand is for anybody to say – if an independent ticket ran, it could only spoil it, and it could only spoil it in favor of Trump. There's no way anybody could possibly know that. We, we, we don't have a ticket yet. We don't have a platform yet, though we'll have one coming out over the summer called Common Sense. We have no idea where the country's going to be a year from now or what the world is going to look like. So for anybody to say we know with certainty how this would impact the race, they don't. The only thing we all know and we can all agree on is two-thirds of the country doesn't like the choices they're getting. And right now, the two major parties show little appetite to actually do anything about that. Okay, I, I agree with what you said the way that you stated it. I had this uh, exchange with a, with a colleague, by the way, at, at CNN, who's a really smart guy. I'm sure you know Sam Feist. He heard me say sure. something on television where I was offering supporting words for for no labels and what you folks are up to. And we then had a really interesting back and forth that I'm only comfortable discussing publicly because he's published on this subject in the last cycle. And Sam's perspective was one of, you know what happens if nobody gets to, to 270. Now it goes to the House of Representatives, where each state is afforded one vote. Alaska is put on the same footing as California and where the R's control the House you know, then you are advancing the prospect of Donald Trump being uh, elected president again, to which, by the way, my response is to say, I, I don't think it's a certainty that a state 
would necessarily vote along party lines within their congressional delegation different than however that state may have turned out in the race. Anyway, you know the issue. What is your thought? Sure. Well, remember, between Election Day and you know, inauguration, there's several steps. The first of which is the Electoral College and the meeting there. You know, if, if a no-label ticket were to run and not get to 270, but to get electoral votes, there's a lot of states that do not have what's called bound elector laws. Um, so those people, when they go to the Electoral College, they can be free agents, in effect. And that's happened over, well over 100 times in history. And so it, theoretically, a no-labels ticket, if it couldn't win, could give its electoral votes, uh, award it to one of the major party nominees. So that's one. The second thing is, with the House, the one thing that people miss is that, that the House that will decide the president is the one that's going to be seated in the next Congress. So it's not the current uh, House delegation. And no, nobody knows, of course, who's going to control the state delegation um, after the next election. Now, we know that nobody wants to get to a point where we have an undecided election. So that's why, even though we're doing contingency planning, we're doing all our homework on what happens if nobody gets to 270, we don't want to nominate a ticket unless we think there's a viable path to win outright. Because it's not, it's not worth doing and it's not worth the This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. It occurs to me that if no labels were to head down this road and there were a viable third-party ticket, it becomes a routine question put to members of Congress and their opponents all over the country what happens? I'd want to know this. I would want to know of, of my elected representative. What happens if it now comes to the House of Representatives? Would you vote along party lines or would you yeah. honor the outcome of your state? I think like that's the front and center question everybody would have to answer. It is. And you're right. And look, I, I mean, right now, if you ask members of Congress about this, you know, they're obviously put this, we'll keep it at arm's length, what we're doing, because why would they want to get in, in trouble with their party establishment uh, unless and until they have to? But one thing that I, want, I do want to make clear, Michael, is remember, we are conceiving of this as a unity ticket, a Republican, a Democrat. This, this is not a third party bid. We're not trying to blow up the two party system. We're not running no label candidates up and down the ballot. And that is very much by design for, for, for what we're trying to send is the signal that, look, there's independence in this country, but there's also Democrats and Republicans who are proudly Democrats and Republicans. And you may want to vote for your House and Senate nominees up and down the line. But you might say, I cannot get there on who my party's putting at the top of, of our ticket. And I want another choice. And if enough people think that way, we're creating the infrastructure to enable that choice. This is important. In other words, it will be individuals from two different parties or an independent and a Democrat or an independent and a, you're not going to have two R's. You're not going to have two D's. That's correct. How do you control the, uh, you know, if you build it, will they come? How do you control the ballot access? If you go out there and, and maybe you don't get on 50 States, but maybe you get on 40 state ballots and you decide to pull the plug. How does, how does some other group not come along and try and hijack your ballot position and say, no, no, wait, I want to be the no labels candidate, uh, you know, on the Pennsylvania ballot? So that's a great question. Uh, and, and we've looked into this. People have asked, hey, well, what happens if you 
get a, a rogue ballot line. Somebody comes to the front. That's why No Labels um, has local infrastructures we built out in every state who have ultimate control over the ballot. And in fact, No Labels has the power to pull down the ballot uh, well into the summer of 2024. So it is possible that if we nominated a ticket and it just didn't go over, people, people didn't like it, it didn't look as good as it did, you know, on the, on the shop room floor, we could pull the ticket uh, and pull it down entirely well into the summer. And, and finally, and thank you for being so gracious with your time, Ryan. I really appreciate it. I'm totally into this issue and fascinated by it. We've come all the way to the end of the interview without me dropping the name Joe Manchin. You know that some see this as a Trojan horse for a Manchin candidacy. I'm sure you're about to disabuse me of that idea, but yeah. maybe I'll ask it this way. What, what should someone be doing right now who wants to be considered by no labels if this comes to fruition? They should be speaking our language, which is about bipartisan problem solving. And uh, this summer, like I said, we're going to release a policy document. It'll be called Common Sense. You can sort of think of it as like our contract for America. And it's not going to have an, an answer to every issue that plagues the country. But it is going to have common sense solutions to the things you can think about it, Michael. If you've got a cross-section of people, put them around a table, give them some pizza and beer, they, they get there in a couple hours. We just can't have these solutions because the loudest and angriest voices um, stand in the way. So uh, that, that's, I think, if you were a candidate looking to get the attention of the No Labels movement, you'd, you'd start to pick up and embrace some of those ideas. Okay, final question for now, because I hope you'll come back. Are you, are you waiting to be courted in this process as you envision it, or will no labels go out and say, she'd be perfect, he'd be perfect, and, and go and initiate dialogue? It'll be, it'll be both. It'll, it'll happen later, because right now so much of our work is just head down and focused on the ballot access, because if we don't get the ballot access stuff right, everything else is irrelevant. So you, you have to build the launching pad before you can have the rocket that takes somebody to the White House. But certainly later this year, we will probably start making some outreach. To whatever nominating committee we, we authorize to do that, we'll, we'll do that. And, and hopefully we'll start to get some incoming from, from leaders who see this and see some potential and want to be part of it. Ryan, thank you so much. That was really informative. I'm appreciative. Thanks so much, Michael. Ryan Clancy is the chief strategist for No Labels. Need, need I frame this anymore? If you read, and I had this posted over the weekend at Smirconish.com, if you read the coverage, I mean, the further they get into it and the more they evidence that they really are planning and being well-funded and getting the signature, the more nervous uh, you know, the status quo become, particularly on the left, people seeing this as something that could benefit... Joe, uh, pardon me, Donald Trump and not Joe Biden. I still say, why, why would necessarily I get the House argument and I addressed it with him. If it were to go to the House of Representatives and Ryan makes a really good point, it's going to be the House that will be seated. We don't even know the composition of the House. And, and I don't think you can say, well, you know, Pennsylvania's delegation right now has more R's than D's. So consequently, it will go along party lines with whomever the Republican. I don't think that necessarily is the case. I mean, if no labels, hypothetically, if no labels had a candidate, a ticket that had a plurality of the votes in my state or yours, do you think that members of the House, the delegation would necessarily discount that and vote along party lines? I don't think so.
I think there would be a hue and cry if that were the case. This is the Smirconish Podcast from Sirius XM. Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM Channel 124, and on the SXM app. Good stuff, right? Can't wait to hear what you're all thinking about this. Stephen, you're in Memphis, Tennessee. Start us off. Hi. Uh, Michael, I, I can't tell you how livid I was uh, listening to, to Ryan because the reality is that how is No Labels going to come up with a compromise that works on abortion, on gun control, where there's 70% of Americans want certain things done that still can't get through, on the border? I mean, I, I don't understand the fantasy land that they're living in thinking that as far apart as we are and with one group trying to limit people voting, that somehow adding a third party is going to somehow make it better. Yeah, I, I'm i more on his side than I am, no disrespect, on yours in this case, because I think that there's compromise to be struck rather than the partisan extremes on all of these issues. I, I would love to. I would love some policy along to tell me what what does a compromise on gun control look like? What does a compromise on abortion, given the current reality of where the electorate is? Michael? Okay, so therefore, it's so therefore, fantasy. you say, therefore, you say, let's just stick with these these two diametrically opposed points of views, view, point of view. Pardon me, and let the best candidate or or party win, and then half the country gets shut out again. Yeah, because you because people like you are both sidering issues that there is no two sides on. No, I don't think that's a fair. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's a fair way to say it. I don't think that's a fair way to say it. I, I think we're hamstrung. I, I wish there were a better issue than guns that we could uh, apply Why? because with the because with the Heller decision, because with abortion, I think that there is. I think that there's a a consensus view in this country, but we're hamstrung by what the court has done. I mean, abortion what is is, is kind of over. View, Michael, what is the consensus view? It doesn't matter because the Supreme Court has just of determined it in do- that's the whole point. Stephen, can I respond or am I going to cut you loose? If you want to have dialogue, I'll have it. Otherwise, back off. The answer is that with the Supreme Court Dobbs decision, it's now been rendered a matter to the states. So I can run for president. I can get elected president. I'm not going to be able to do a damn thing about it. Your state legislature is going to determine what it might be. What do I think? What do I think the majority of Americans want? I think a majority of Americans want access to abortion and probably along the trimester system that we had in Roe versus Wade. That's where I think the bulk of the country is. You get the final response. I think it's a fantasy, and I think there is one party that is actively working to keep people from voting, and you add a third party into the mix along with the shenanigans of gerrymandering and 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 ballot access you're going to you're you're going to create a shit show i'm i'm still of the thank you Stephen. i'm still of the mindset with morris fiorina he from hoover at stanford unstable majorities was the title of his book documenting that there just has not been a sea change among american voters on the critical issues of the day the issues are the same as they ever were and we're in the same position we've ever been and frankly there's a lot more agreement Go look at the Hidden Tribes study. I think it was seven or 8,000 people uh, who are independent. There is much more consensus in this country than you would ever believe looking at the cable outlets and listening to our politicians. They are not reflective of who we are. We're a hell of a lot different than they are. 
Tom, you're in St. Louis. Greetings. What did you most want to say? I'm thrilled with this no labels, and I couldn't agree more with what you just told that caller. These two parties, if you go back to Michael, uh, 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 I'm sorry, Mark Leibovitz's book 12 years ago, a dozen years ago, or any of the shows you've had over the last five or six years with, with Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about uh, gerrymandering or the, I remember you had the shows on uh, on uh, 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 Cracker Barrel counties versus yeah, Whole Foods counties. Yeah, self-sorting. These, right. these, all these, it's, it's been a, every, all, that's a continuum that's led to this. These two parties have just absolutely furthered their own, own economic interests. They, against the interests of their own constituents, I mean, forget about the totality of America, their own constituents aren't being served. They, they, they profited from hostility. They profited from tribalism. They profited from anger. America had multiple parties for 100 years, 100, uh, over 100 years. There's no, they've done this to themselves. They've now, let, they've now led us to a binary choice. It's always, it's always the binary choice between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. My goodness. I think it's just fascinating. I'll let the chips will fall where they may. I can't imagine. Uh, abortion is, is a terribly easy. You, I think you had Nancy Mace on your CNN show some, some weeks ago, uh, you know, who's, who's, who, 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 as a pro-life Republican, finds it, it relatively easy to come to a compromise on abortion. The, the notion that we cannot get these issues resolved, that the, the, the 55% of the people who are just going to work every day and are in the middle and are not extremists, uh, can't be heard is is it that's the 40, fantasy and they're going to be heard thank you 49 for your time. thanks tom 49 percent, according to the latest data in gallup regard themselves as i's not r's or d's anybody who's listened to this program for a sustained time period knows this is a pet peeve of mine that immediately gets discounted then gallup asks a follow yeah but which way do you lean and then the lean gets the headline no the headline is that a plurality of americans say that they're independent the dialogue today, honestly, I, I, I just don't even want to have to go through it all over again. Go watch my speech from the Reagan Library on my YouTube page if you want to know what the world looks like according to me. Unfortunately, the public discourse today is, is driven by a desire for ears and eyes and mouse clicks. Personalities, provocative personalities are the ones calling all the shots. They hold sway over primary voters. Consequently, they hold sway over the House and the Senate. That's what it's all about. I'm looking to be provocative. I'm looking to be provocative and influential and make a lot of money. You know how? By putting the country together. And if I can do it, I deserve it. Honest to God, compromise is not a dirty word. I, I, I just know this. I've looked at too much data and spent too many years speaking to too many of you. We are, we are the, the backbone and could be the majority of this country. But we've got a system now that all hands are working against us. These institutional forces that want to protect the status quo. And that's why when something like this comes along, yes, I'm all ears. All ears. Am I all in? I'm not all in, but I'm all ears. I'm not going to discount them. I'm not going to rule out and say, oh, well, we can't possibly have that because it'll elect Donald Trump. How do we know it'll elect Donald Trump? He's right. Ryan's right. We don't even know what the Congress will look like. And I, I think if you if you game theory this out, you can't just say, well, delegations will vote along party lines. The Republicans control this this uh, caucus in this particular state, Democrats, and they're all going to vote. I don't think so. And we're talking about an election, theoretically, where 
a third party candidacy gets a plurality of the votes. And okay, if it now has to go to the House of Representatives because nobody's at 270, I don't think that the members of Congress just, you know, discount what just happened and instead suit up in their usual partisan armor. Wouldn't we throw out every one of them the next opportunity that we had? Your state, your state, a plurality in your state votes for a third party ticket. But it's a state where the, the D's have most members of Congress or the R's do. And they, they, they completely disregard the election return and they say, no, we're going to vote for the Democratic or Republican candidate. You know, screw everybody from our own. No, I don't see that happening. Maybe this would be the sort of cleansing that the system needs. Could it get worse? What would be worse? The Smirconish Podcast for Independent Minds. Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com.